0: Welcome back everyone. It's Deermit here. I hope you all had a nice break. We meant to put out a few episodes over the break, but unfortunately due to some unforeseen circumstances, we weren't able to do so. Despite that, we've a few great episodes planned for twenty twenty one, so hold off on deleting the podcast for now. It's Sunday, 3rd of January, and I'm delighted to be joined by Keane Prendeville. Hey, how are things? Roshin O'Shea.
1: How do you do
0: and for his first time on Rupture, joining us all the way from Aberdeen, Owen Burns. Let's crack. Right. so That's not an getting... Aberdeen accent. <laughs> <laughs> You're caught, Aberdeen. You're caught. <laughs> Aberdeen by way of Belfast?
2: Yes, Aberdeen by way of Belfast. <laughs> there you go.
0: The proper, proper title. Um, yeah, no, but before getting into the kind of grim news at the moment, I just thought I'd check in how was everyone's Christmas break. Did anyone read or watch anything interesting?
1: i actually found a film that i really enjoyed and it's probably the closest to any like you know socialist activism or education i did all christmas <laughs> i took a media break i think it's like not brand brand new it came out at some point last year Um, ready or not i don't know if you guys have seen this i thought i honestly thought it was going to be a documentary about the fugees or something it's not it's basically like get out but for poor people instead of black people um it's this woman who like marries into this sort of like trump not really trump like old money american super rich family and they have like a pact with the devil and you have to play a game on your wedding night and if you like get a certain game they have to like hunt you down and kill you before dawn or else the devil will kill all of them um and it sort of just, so it's a
3: documentary is it yeah
1: yeah yeah it's like it happened like 2007 <sighs> and they changed the names for legal reasons <laughs> no, but what's good about it is it's like at first it just that Louis
3: throws great isn't it? <laughs> oh, it
1: it for sort of at first tries to be a bit scary but blah, 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 it just gets more and more entertaining basically as this woman just starts to like these people and like turns a shotgun on them and then like there's this beautiful part quite close to the end where you know that all the rich people get their up and at some stage an old woman like physically explodes into like a hilarious liver and kidney balloon explosion cloud and she just starts laughing. It's like it's supposed to be this pretty really gruesome scene with this woman who was going to get killed off essentially for being poor. And what, just starts what's this called? herself What the it. heck are you watching? <laughs> are you sure this wasn't a
3: dream? <laughs> no. Are you I'm sure like, you didn't just like drink too much and then fall asleep and you dreamt this series
0: of events? I
1: have been necking the Baileys to be fair. Baileys
0: go show for the Christmas break.
1: No, it's just like, it's just so like barefacedly like, rich people suck they have made pacts with the devil Devil, like at least metaphorically fuck them what, what was the name explode. of this again
2: what was the name of this <laughs> ready or not ready or not movie it, it, does this have uh, Sigour- Sigourney Weaver in it? No,
1: I don't know what she's called. It's a sort of like she looks a bit like Reese Witherspoon. Nobody's in it that I know, but I'm terrible with actors anyway. But it was just she, like incredible. She's like a
2: younger Australian actor, isn't she?
1: She's American in the film, but she might actually be Australian. Mm.
2: I'm not
0: no, sure. No, Samara um, Weaving. I don't know who they are. I looked it ah, up there.
1: that does sound similar. Um, but honestly, it was just incredibly cathartic to watch rich people just get, like, brutally murdered.
0: There, There's a mad load of, out, load of stuff out like that now. Like, kind of... Um, I don't know what you call it, but, like, <laughs> what was the one? The Asian director last year, where the yeah. Parasite, and then you have The Boys, which is kind of, like, critical, superhero, anti-capitalist thing. You have a lot of things coming out now, and I wonder. I always wonder... Huh? and sorry yeah sorry yeah. to bother you
3: as well, which is also similarly like and I
0: think more surreal similarly surreal trip, i saw man.
3: i I didn't realize that it was going to be so surreal,
0: yeah it, i was talking more of like kind of like critical of i don't know like either the ruling class or like class or like class or capitalism or anything like that, but it always feels like I don't know like why. They're all coming out now, and I always feel real weird watching them, because obviously I find it entertaining, or agree with it to an extent, but it always makes me think, like, at the end of the day, it's still just a movie or whatever, you know what I mean? I don't know.
3: I don't know if it was entertaining, but I agreed the fuck out of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyone else? I I watched, uh, I binge-watched, on the other side of the spectrum, I binge-watched Bridgerton, uh, oh, um, yeah. Which is like I don't know if you've seen the this sort of Netflix thing. thing. It's like Downton Abbey, yeah. Pride yeah, and Prejudice with, with like sex Um, I would. Yeah, yeah, randomly, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of a alternative history thing. I I couldn't get my head around it. It was grand, like I don't. It was uh, Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Eve watching, but uh, I, I watched that, and then I spent a lot of time reading. Um, Reading up about the, the the German Revolution of 1919, Classic. which is what? What else do you do over your Christmas? Nice holidays? <laughs> I'm preparing. I'm working on an article for the next issue of Rupture on uh, the workers' government and the the the, the, fo- the fight for left-wing governments and how revolutionary socialists relate to the notion of of a of a left government coming to power through through parliament and how we. How we link in with that demand and that, that that idea I'm writing an article for rupture on it and the German Revolution is kind of relevant uh, it's kind of where all of this debate and discussion started so Pierre Bruet's German Revolution it's fen- it's phenomenal I think it's a really good book um, because like when you read about the Russian Revolution uh, like it, you know how it ends it, you know they <laughs> succeed and taking power and then obviously it, but but like with the, the German Revolution it's one series of like mistakes after another. Um, one comedy of errors like you know and then there's more lessons mm. in it i think in some ways because you can see you can see how it goes wrong and you can you sort of having to think oh how could it have been done differently at each step along the way you have to engage your brain critically thinking more about what could have been done differently you know uh,
0: um yeah it's sure. very interesting it's quite pressing issue i'd like to do an episode on the idea of left government or especially After the last election, there was obviously a push in the public for, like, get out Fianna Fall, Fianna Gael. But then there was also a lot of uh, just mix-up about what constitutes a left government or like how you move towards that. So I think it is pressing coming forward and I'd like to do something going forward. So look forward to the article. What about you, all yeah,
2: I kind of took a bit of a break and kind of just did more mindless sort of entertainment over Christmas break. I listened to the Mere Wolvers live stream on the twenty three, uh, the 23rd of December, which was pretty relaxed and chill. Uh, Reading wise, it didn't get up to much. Also yeah, seen it. It was yeah, a really cool. good listen and the, those lads are signed as hell. And then... Yeah reading wise i didn't get re- much of a chance to read over the christmas break because i was doing other things but uh i was given quite a decent amount of books to catch up with in the new year uh, i got de Devara's book on gaelica and i'm planning to get a, po- a copy of lost revolution for reading in the new year so
0: last revolution's very good i read i've read bits of it now it's like 600 pages Lost Revolution, for anyone don't know, it's like uh, kind of history of the IRA through 20s, up until the change to uh, official IRA and the Workers' Party, and it's just like really in-depth, and it's kind of unmatched in its content in other books. It's a real... There was a real gap, but yeah, I'm going to try and give that a read, too, at some point.
3: There's a book... There's a book about the German Revolution also called Lost <laughs> I'll Revolution. I'll take that up as like, well. Yeah, I think well. it's going to be Jesus. quite common. Tying it back to A lot up, of Lost you know? Revolutions,
0: You'd
1: fall out of your pockets, you'd lose them no, down, down the lost side more, so we've,
0: them. we've lost more than we've won now at this stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I pretty much was the same as, as you, Owen. Um, did have a chance to get a bit of reading done, but like you expect to have such a gap over Christmas, and then before you know it, it's just like, Uh, you see in family so much or it goes so quick anyway
3: um i i got to catch up on lego with friends or lego friends anybody seen this masterpiece? movies the the tv show which my is there anything like the like
1: lego ninjago thing
0: no ninjago's a good good show good i've watched a good i've watched a good bit of ninjago too with my nephew
3: Oh, this one's geared towards. This is the pink one, so it's it's for the girls, you know. They have the Ninjago's for the boys, yeah. obviously. And this one, this one's what my my uh, niece is big into. So I had to watch hours and hours of that. But yeah, good political content in there for as sure. well, you
0: know. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I guess like we're pretty much that. That's the lighter side of things. Uh, we wanted to kind of. Before moving on to the news pieces, which are are fairly grim, I think the two things that we want to touch on is the um, shooting of George Nkensho by the Gardaí and also the spiralling cases of COVID. Um, Just for the first one of those, I think, um, it obviously, the shooting took place on 30th December in Cluny. The background, as far as I know, is that um, a young man was suffering from like a mental episode and had an altercation in a local shop with a knife and that had led to the guardy being called there's videos of them like following him back to his house and then unfortunately him taking a swing and them shooting him multiple times i think it's a it's a fairly shocking story all around um my own view is that i think the guardy should like the force used by the Gardaí should be reviewed extensively. And I'm not of the opinion that, like, murdering uh, George Kensho was unavoidable. If you watch the video itself, there's like 10 guards around him. And I've seen a good few videos since then of police units disarming people with knives. Uh, so questions kind of have to be asked, like if it was necessary. And also to what extent the fact that George was black kind of influenced uh, the course of action taken. I think that's been highlighted most in the in the last few days. What do people think of the, the story itself or kind of the the discussion after afterwards? One thing that i
3: haven't seen said an awful lot about it but like is uh what whatever about whether it like whether it was necessary or not necessary we don't have all the evidence i find it hard to believe that it was like that they needed to shoot him five times seems a bit overkill to me Uh, um like i don't yeah but leave that aside there's another problem here which is that like um the Guardian are not the people that should be phoned to the scene when somebody's having a mental breakdown you know uh, um uh this was this was somebody having a mental health crisis uh, um yes like lashing out at people i like uh, my heart goes out to the workers in the in the shop that were uh, attacked and made feel like in that their life was in danger uh, um but that there's no service like the, the armed response unit are not trained to deal with mental health issues they're trained to shoot things you know um so if you train people to shoot things and they're the people that respond to mental health crises then what you're going to get is you're going to get people with mental health crises being shot you know um and i think that's part of the like that the the police force are not the force that should be responding to these things but there is no other like crisis mental health support sort team that come out or whatever you know um Yeah, that was one thing that I'm surprised hasn't been talked about more, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. Like, I I think it's obviously such a heartbreaking story, but I think because, you know, George Floyd is really heavily in people's minds and it's almost like, you know, everyone's like, oh, here's to 2021. I can't wait to start a better year. And here we are with like a young black man killed by police and COVID cases spiraling again. It's such a like grim deja vu like it's almost like we've gone up a fucking difficulty level on the horror video game that is this decade like but because that's so present in people's mind because BLM is still such a like ongoing thing and people are still really aching from it that is where it goes to and obviously that's a huge part of it but I think like yeah I've seen so few people talk about the mental health thing and Kean is right that like as far as I know for instance even if you section somebody that like they are in an emergency mental health situation and need to be brought to hospital it's not an ambulance it's the guards who come and get them they bring them to hospital but again it's the guards and they don't know what to do with them in the meantime and like you know lately so many like young men have had such a hard time with mental health and it's becoming more and more talked about and you know people like public figures that people are into like blind boy who's obviously super popular has done so much to make that open so many people know young men who've had trouble there was a young man in my family who this time last year had a really terrible episode got involved with police but like he didn't get fucking killed and I'm like Christ almighty the fact that Until now, I didn't think there was ever a risk that that could have happened this time last year to this guy I know. And I'm like, fuck, I'm lucky that he didn't get killed, like, for being like unwell and alone and confused and frightened, presumably.
2: Yeah, I I think that is like a huge aspect of what's kind of going on is the mental health aspect. But kind of building on what Keen was saying as well about how the, you know, the guards aren't trained to do this. You know, we've also seen an increased militarization of the police over a period as well since 9-11 and the extended um, terrorism um security causes around that. And that like that's one of the direct causes of what happened in the thing. It was a, a, a militarized police force who were confused about what was going on. They hadn't dealt with these circumstances that Roshan and Keane brought up of a mentally you know, stressed person within this place. And... You know, they, they did what they did because that's what they're trained to do. And I think whatever the GSOC report says, I think, you know, we uh, we as a larger group of within society kind of need to analyze that and kind of discuss it further and say, look, if someone is sanctioned in the, or if someone is clearly having a mental health problem within a public sphere, we have other routes of exiting it rather than, you know, sending in guards to handle it.
0: Yeah, I was listening to um, that podcast the Tortoise do policed in policed in Ireland today, and one of the experts that they had on the panel was saying like one of the reforms that's been pushed for a long long time and even the courts have made calls for this um is to adopt the model taken in in european countries where you have a force which is both guards and like 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 therapists or things like that who get sent out together so if someone has a knife you obviously get sent out guards um in in the case that gets escalated or they need to disarm someone but you also have experts that understand like the condition that the person's in and the best way to de-escalate these types of things um but yeah it's a it's a major recurring issue around police brutality and further militarization of the guardy. like we would have seen that video i don't know if anyone seen like two weeks ago of the guardy just like ripping those lads out of the train I, I don't know what it was for but there was like a big furor on twitter of how good it was to see this and i think there's like a real kind of fetishization of the guards and authority especially over through the pandemic um and you you don't have to go far to find stories of like guardy dealing with working class or minority communities in heavy-handed uh ways and like some people have touched on reports on biases within the Guardi towards whether it's working class, minorities or travelling communities. Um so obviously that comes into play uh, a lot. And what Owen was saying there on the um like presence of armed units, we've seen this year like armed units at evictions. Um and that's kind of concerning. Um just to see that normalized over over this period I think is is a major issue
3: but even uh so the, the they're not trained to deal with it, but the other example that we've had uh, in the not too distant past of Gardaí dealing with somebody in a mental health crisis was the Dara Quigley uh, uh, example uh, um which obviously the bill just passed and o- over Christmas that uh, makes uh, image- based sexual abuse uh, um illegal uh at at last. But there, that was a case where uh, Dara Quigley was a a journalist going through a mental health crisis. There was video of her walking naked. The guardee that were dealing with this, they were the ones that were dealing with this, but one of the guards recorded the video on his phone and sent it around to all his friends, fellow guards and then it ended up posted up on the internet and Dara uh, um, ended up killing herself. Um, But like, that is an, an interesting example because none of those guards were ever brought to justice uh, um the ones responsible so or publicly named or anything and so the notion that and like that's ex- exactly they, they should not be the force dealing with mental health crises uh, um but also we can't just put our faith that the that the gsoc will work it all out or that the the, the forces that be will figure it all out now in an investigation Like i have i have no faith Whatsoever um, in GSOC uh, to to carry this out. Like, for one, GSOC's final report, uh, as I understand it, doesn't even need to be publicly published. Uh, The details of it don't necessarily need to ever come out. They can do this in private, and that's just not acceptable. But also, like, we need an independent inquiry. We need somebody that's representative, some group that's representative uh, um, of the working class community, uh, um, uh, uh, of of, a the Nigerian commu- community of, like, of the trade unions of, of uh, uh, human rights groups or whatever, to be the ones investigating this because you just we can't leave it to the guards to investigate the guards. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. You can't leave the guards to investigate the guards, and we don't know the procedure of what the GSOC are going to continue under the, going into this. We don't know who they're going to contact, who they're going to speak to, family members of George or even people within the community. So how, when, if even if the report is published publicly, which as Keane has already hinted, it probably won't be, how are we going to scrutinise the guards afterwards and say okay, this is what you did wrong, this is what you did wrong, how are we going to make things better in the future for these communities going forward?
0: Yeah, and I think there's a history of issues around, like Morris McCabe, the scandal there, Uh, Jobstown, there was an inquiry after in biases in the guard, Uh, Keane might know better better than me uh, because I'm not as informed on that case. You had a whole
3: Um, series of guards that got up in the Jobstown trial um, and thank God they didn't have guns, because if they did have guns, we may be mourning the loss of Paul Murphy. <laughs> um, do you remember that guy? No, uh, but luckily they didn't. Uh, um, but the 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 guards got up during that trial, loads of them, and said that they saw Paul Murphy say things, that they saw the protesters say things, and then the video footage came out of the exact moments that the guards were describing where Paul didn't say what they said and you know the video footage contradicted it so you had loads of guards that all at the same time misremembered in the exact same way uh things and I know yeah and that raised questions and um, but again there was never any uh transparency as to as to how that happened uh, um so you just like we can't put our faith in these people the other side of this is the like, all the lies, like, I, I had been tuned out of this, I had been on holidays, I had been watching Bridgerton rather than this, like, you know, um, uh, so, but all all I did see was this, like, on Twitter, every time I went in for a bit, was, like, loads of this shit saying that George was, uh, had huge convictions, had 32 convictions against him, and all this sort of stuff, which I know, having tuned back in today and tried to catch up a bit, like, it turns out it was, all absolute lies, you know. But I don't know if anybody else was
0: following that a bit more. Yeah, I have, a, I have a good bit on this. Like, I wanted to kind of touch on it before we leave. The It's extremely concerning, the kind of mobilisation of the far right around this issue online. I think they've been far more coordinated and unified in their messaging on this issue than I've seen them in a long time. We obviously would have had it through the year last year. Um, The Minister for Children Education. Um, Yeah, Children. Ron what was what name? roderick o'gorman would have had that um a lot of stuff mobilized against him um but you can see it in any of the comment sections of anything relating to this story and especially on left wing commentators pages like i seen paul murphy's and breed smiths and pbps were all bombed uh with comments and if you look into it um mark malone has done quite a good bit on this the far-right groups would be using messages, messaging apps like Signal to coordinate the type of messages that they're putting out. And some examples of this have been like, they circulated an image of a lad with a slash in his face that happened during an English football match like two or three months ago. And they said that this was caused by George show on the day. And they also argued that he had 32 previous convictions. And both of these things are like just used to kind of dehumanize him and justify his murder. But we've also seen them since then sharing... Videos and images seeking to ratchet up tensions when most of the videos aren't even in Ireland or they're not from recent times. They're like fights between black people and white people, or um, they've done fake WhatsApp messages too. And then what frustrates me the most is you see like absolute reptiles in the media, like Niall Boylan, you picking up this stuff and then being like a little, like a happy carrier of far right messages. Uh, it's just like, it's extremely. I think that's grim. A bit- I think it's so
3: cruel to reptiles um, <laughs> now to compare them to Nile. Probably, Island. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of similar qualities, but uh, the reptiles don't engage in far right water carrying. Um Yeah, well, like and I was saying two days ago, I kinda think the left have let it slip. I know it happened over the Christmas period and people are like Entitled to take a break and stuff, but I've seen like a handful of really good anti-racist initiatives get up set up last year, and. Really, if they're not seeking to counter the narratives coming out from the far right, especially around these types of things, I just think we're fighting a losing battle, and it's something that we need to kind of shape up on majorly. It's definitely a blind yeah, spot. Yeah,
2: we should be challenging rhetoric, and even the fact that the far right are sending out regular coordination messages about how you know we should speak to people in person and on social media kind of indicates that. I got sent um I don't know where this came from, but I got sent a mess, uh, one of them that was basically like now the media is condemning you know the far right from indicating you know turning a knife into a machete turning zero previous convictions into 57 previous convictions
0: yeah. the guards are saying fascist the yeah. guards said fascist and far right groups in their statement today which is mm. unprecedented
2: yeah it's 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 good to see that they're they're finally saying something on that but whether or not that will change anything is completely different to what is actually going to happen you know you know the far right have dominated the sphere in this uh, Dominated the discussion sphere on this, and you know, the left should be challenging that whenever available. The problem is, the far right don't care for facts, they'll just post whatever. While the left are more concerning on that,
3: look. But, like, whatever you think about this, even if we don't know the facts, obviously, fully, we know that there was a poor shop worker intimidated, um, who must have been terrified. And, like, I can understand people feeling a solidarity with that shop worker and you know but so even if if you're in that camp just stop for a second and think about the family of George who did nothing wrong they had to observe their brother or son be shot dead in front of their eyes going through mental health crisis uh, uh, be shot dead in front of their eyes which is traumatic enough and then sit through days and days of lies being told, like, outright lies. Um, and these lies didn't just fall from the sky, as has been said. People consciously drew them up and spread them and tried to promote them. And then other people unknowingly shared, because they were outraged or whatever, they shared it, thinking that it was true. Um, But, like, that is absolutely rotten uh, to do that to people who to are mourning the loss of of a, of their loved one, uh, and then they have to tune into Facebook or Twitter and see all these lies about about their brother or their son. It's 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 absolutely it's these people that are spreading those lies that are started that are absolute scum. Uh, um, and like in a, I agree with Dermot. we need a stronger left. We need like a. A, a a stronger left media as well to try to debunk this and try to expose some of these people and put names on them and and, and like highlight the the rotten role that they're playing um uh, uh but uh, that and we need to do that though we need the the left and the trade union movement to 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 fund these various united fronts that have been set up you know
1: yeah i had a really strong reaction because I like he and I sort of took a break over Christmas and was catching up in the last few days and I tried to read about George in chronological order and just having read about you know this put like I'm not sure what age he was but he's a young fella like and to read about the fact that he's obviously Jesus going through all this to imagine yeah the state someone must be in feeling like that like broke my heart I had to take like weeping breaks between reading articles and to then move on to the part about like yeah like his family being hassled and all the like just him like being totally dehumanized and dragged through the absolute dirt like it's honestly like I don't know it's a thing that I've said a couple times on this podcast that like Ireland sort of thinks like oh you know we have problems but we're not like big bad america like it's not that bad i'm like this is like the sort of shit you read and go thank god i don't live in america and it's here (laughs) yeah
0: it's 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 pretty bad um just uh, i can't get over just how mobilized it's been or how like someone sent me a page um protecting our children or something it was called on facebook had a hundred and seventy thousand people in it and um and it was circulating fake messages. That thing that Noel Boylan that I was talking about that he had circulated was a video of the brother of George and Kencho saying, "I hope that the guard that did it gets uh, his contract terminated." And they had taken out his contract and said gets terminated. And Noel Boylan was saying, "Is he asking to kill him?" That's just more like whatever. Uh, it's just the slimiest, like little wormy stuff, um, and it's yeah, it 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 absolutely kill you. Um, but <laughs> I think we could. We've probably gone through the the, the bulk of, of that and what's bad about it and what needs to be done. Um, the other story that we want to talk about, which is probably just as grim, is uh, the spiraling okay, case numbers. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kicking it off. Well, I was hoping that like we'd be able to do a nice light episode in between reviewing how bad 2020 was and then being like, 2021 is going to be much no, no, better. No, no. Are we going to...
3: Are, are we, what I want to know though is, is, are we all going to take the vaccine live on air? That's <laughs> yeah, well, oh, no, that's yeah. the Patreon, the top tier <laughs> Patreon. The if
0: you if you sign the Patreon, uh, we are we're all going to inject Paul <laughs> with multiple untested <laughs> vaccines.
2: Uh. <laughs> I'll Um, smuggle them in through uh, the UK and get them to you in the the south.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they're not even doing it right. They're only taking one Mm -hmm. at a time. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, Yeah, so it's obviously going very bad in Ireland. Reuters, uh, Reuters have put out that Ireland have gone from having the lowest infection rate in Europe in the start of December to in two weeks having the fastest rate of deterioration. And I think that's come after shops and large parts of the hospitality sector were allowed to reopen for most of December. And they actually state that in that article. Um, I would have tweeted that it's important to keep in mind, in mind at this stage that at the start of December, NEFET had advised the government not to reopen hospitality, retail, retail or allow family visits. And they ignored that. And now we're going in with uh 5,000 cases, I think, today. uh, We're unable to test close contacts, and the hospitals are at absolute uh, breaking point. It's actually, just, in, just to say, just to no
3: interrupt, sorry... Nefit hadn't said uh, they had said that they had accepted that you'd need to have family visits over over christmas and they had, okay. they had supported that uh, um uh, uh, but the government uh decided to, but they had said look you're going to have to have family visits over christmas people are going to have to see their loved ones um but what we can't afford ah. to do is have family visits at the same time as you also have the gastro pubs being open the restaurants being open uh, 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 and all that and the government like they neil martin explicitly said in the in the in the in the doll that they traded off uh, um that basically they, they calculated that they thought that it was more important to be opening up the the, the, the bars and the the restaurants and stuff um so but yeah Neff had consciously said look because we have to have family visits over christmas which i think is understandable like you need to have
0: yeah it's correct it's unavoidable like that is the the public element and then you had the private element of keeping non-essential retail and the pubs and everything open and the government chose to trade off the public element or just have both and to now say that it was on everyone there's a we all partied myth going around again that it's like oh it was really bad at people but i think another thing to keep in mind is in june we had eleven cases. We were close to stomping out the virus altogether. And countries that have followed that course and implemented zero COVID strategy are celebrate celebrated New Year's out in parks, out in bars, like together. I've seen in Australia and New Zealand they had big festivals in parks. In China, it's insane. Uh, they're the exact same. So, like how how we deal with this has always been kind of a political choice. And the Irish government has at all times folded to like private interests over prioritizing that public health it's it's just as grim i think
3: yeah like um i think one thing is and you find yourself into this like i i i was in denmark for a whole period my my partner works there uh uh now so i've been there um and like for a while it seemed like denmark had a better handle on it and then denmark's also gone to shit like <laughs> um uh uh And then that made me think, oh, maybe there's just sort of no alternative. Maybe this is just it. Maybe you can't get a handle on this virus, you know. Uh, um, And then you'd almost, you know, well, yeah, you'd almost give up hope or a bit or or like it's understandable how bad things are. But then I I, I went and I did some more research and I was looking into some other countries. um, And like, it is shocking how much, there are a number of countries that have dealt with this in a much better way, like Australia, which is not a small country, uh, um, has had no cases in the last two weeks. Uh, um, like Australia, New Zealand, but uh, they're obviously islands. But then you, you uh, Taiwan, uh, you have uh, um, even South Korea, um, places like that, have managed to, like, over the past. Months and months have had very, very few cases, and therefore, cause th- because they had a proper lockdown and then they restricted entry into the country and they had a proper testing and tracing uh, re- uh, regime, which meant that anytime there was an outbreak, if one part it was based on somebody coming into the country with the virus and then they were able to isolate, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but like, we've never a- adopted that sort of as I understand it's called, I'm not an expert in it, but that zero COVID strategy. And the result is, like, we've had these yo-yos up and down, uh, whereas there, there is an alternative, you know. Um, and I think sometimes when you don't realise that there are countries that have done this way better, uh, um, if you, do, then you don't realise how badly the Irish government have handled it. Uh, um, uh, uh, and part of the responsibility, I think, there is that other than, like, the left, the socialist left, people before profit and, and rise, like, the opposition haven't been... The opposition haven't been advocating zero COVID. I haven't heard them talking about uh, what Australia is doing, what New Zealand's doing, what Taiwan's doing, uh, um, uh, what Japan is doing. They're they're not talking about that, even the opposition. So they're letting the government really off the hook, I think, you know?
1: Yeah, and that's part of, like, I mean, obviously everyone is, like, anxious and angry, but what me in particular, what pisses me the fuck off about the whole thing is, like, dearman touched on this, like... um, This, yeah, this, like, well, we all partied sort of thing. As if it's, like, that's what it is. It's not that we didn't go for this actually viable alternative so that you could, like, hang out with your mates on New Year's. And, like, you know, we, like, ignored health advice over and over and over again, where it's, like... Like, and you know, they like these cases going so high at the moment. It's almost as if the government is like, sorry, we can't hear your health advice over the sound of our counting machine whirring violently out of control. We'll, we'll come back to you in a bit. Like, and like, like the bit in particular that bugs me about the wheel party thing is, of course, people are getting sick of it. People are going to be less like people are going to be less freaked out and therefore less strict about it now because it's been going on a long time it's entirely normal now it's like alarming seeing cases but also yeah like Kean touched on people are like oh well it's sort of inevitable i guess this is just what what happens like it's gone on for so long and it's so grimly predictable like i think a few months ago didn't darrow brian do a thing on the late late of like because you know we're about to go into potentially this like level six through fucking twelve, like God knows what's going to get brought in. They're talking about curfews and the two K limit again, which Darrow Brain did a literal skit on a few months ago. That's how predictable this deterioration is.
2: I I think yeah, like the 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 Irish government have been quite interesting with this because they keep trying to find excuses for why the cases are spiraling out of control instead of as you've already all indicated like. It's been the fact that they've opened up the the gastro pubs and the shops, and you know, interacting between families. And I know Mihal Martin was very persistent on the fact that it was the British strain that was like pushing the case. Which is about, nonsense. It's yeah, absolute nonsense. It's like ten percent of all the cases were proven to be the British strain. And yes, there is a huge concern about this British strain going out of control. I can completely understand that living in Britain myself. But at the same time, it's the political decisions that are affecting the social decisions. And, you know, this will later, like, this increase in cases are just going to become a bigger issue as we go into the future and we do get access to these vaccines because the more people that have the virus, the more of an issue we have accessing vaccines. Um, now, I, I assume um, Jeremy and I can probably come in on this better, but, you know, we're seeing the Irish government now starting to follow the British, you know, discussion about whether or not we should be mixing vaccines and whether or not we should be, like, creating a gap of three months between each vaccine. And it's, it's absolutely baffling because both Pfizer, both, uh, you know, Medina and all all the the different pharmaceutical companies have came out and said, and you know, they've came out and straight up said, if you do this, the efficacy will decrease. You're effectively committing like a mass medical experiment. Say say that again.
3: What are they talking about doing?
2: They're so, um, they've already given people the first injection, namely people who are in the health profession, Right and people who are, you know, um, cars and people above the age of 70. However, because there's not enough production, according to the UK government, right, of these vaccines, what they're doing is they're pushing the vaccine three months down the line until more is produced. The thing the thing is about this is it's a complete another lie because uh, I think it was Pfizer who the majority of the vaccines have been, you know, given to have came out and said that their production is at the level of which the, the Tory government had ordered it. Now... The Irish government's talking about following that same three-month extension.
0: And is that only an issue because, like, my reading of that initially, I haven't read into it as much as you have, was that that was an issue in the UK because the Oxford vaccine required two... you have to take it twice or get two injections. Is that still the case if you only have to take it once? Do you still have to like? What is the issue with the gap?
2: So no, uh, Pfizer's the same. You needed to get two different vaccine vaccinations if it if okay. it's to be efficacious. Yeah. So the initial one provides a potential sort of um, protection around that, and then the second one creates the full protection, right? I think that's. I'm right. completely. There's a lot of science behind this. <laughs> I'm now qualified. We'll leave stuff in this <laughs> For the. Danger, people.
3: <laughs> the danger then presumably is if you get the first vaccine in that time in between, the fear is that like a vaccine-resistant COVID strain could develop. The longer the gap, when you've gotten one vaccine but you haven't taken the second, it's like it's like taking half your dosage of antibiotics or whatever. Yes. You Risk creating like a COVID-resistant superbug, which. Maybe that's just what 2021 called for, you know? Maybe that's the...
1: <laughs> or, you know, because I don't want to prejudice and assume that all of our lessons are terribly scientifically minded. It's like if you've just blown a grand on laser hair removal and lockdown shuts down all of the clinics after you've only had two sessions and you lose all your money and have to start all over again.
0: Which is why we're all bald. <laughs> Listeners can't see it, that, but that was the issue. It was a very specific example. <laughs> I'm just making sure not that not everyone
1: understands antibiotics. I feel like I know a lot of people who understand laser hair removal better than antibiotics.
0: Funny enough, I've had loads of mates who who used the lockdown to go over to Turkey and get uh, hair transplants. Because they knew that no one would see them. Because like, your hair falls out again, and then you have to it regrows and it looks much You've better. You've had loads an...
3: of mates. That means three, three people. Three of them three people going to Turkey and I'm to like not, not yeah, hair yeah. removed they're getting w- hair put in
0: their heads yeah. what age are your friends? it's like 24, 25 what? well yeah, I think well like it's even more pressing because if it hits you at 24 you're going to like <laughs> you're going bald at 24 it's three grand now that's as much as you get your teeth done now I think that's like a viable thing now it's like six hours lying in a, lying in a seat obviously six hours yeah, to get you like, and you're, they're just yeah. poking hair into your head you are lying flat on like as if you're getting a massage, and you have like a thing on your head that you can just watch football or something. You know a lot about this for a man with very fuzzy looking hair. My barber got it done. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I see friends. see how I see how I look at the end of twenty twenty
2: one the like, way it's going like like the British um, government vaccination project it's all went our up way <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah well anyway uh, I'll get back mm-hmm. to you I'll update listeners if I do <laughs> uh, if the hair falls out and then the hair comes back that's actually what had. our
1: patron um, fund has been diverted. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> tier 3 tier my, 3 Jeremy uh hair uh, replacement <laughs> surgery
0: my, my rainy day bald fund um no, thank thanks for our and supporters. Um yeah, back getting Get back, back on onto track. The COVID, though. Like, yeah. Of, yeah, back mm. on to COVID. Uh like I think one of the most like spineless and slimy things coming out of the government at the moment that was referenced is the attempt to like pin it all on the UK variant. I've seen Martin just repeatedly clasping his hands over his ears and just saying, like, Oh, that UK vac UK strain really did us in. It really did us in. Despite like it's quite clear that it's come out that um Less than 10% of cases are the UK strain here. And repeated evidence shows that it's not responsible for the increase in cases. And it's just a real sneaky way for the government to avoid the consequences, putting like the private profits above public health at the start of December. And Leo Varadkar actually coming out today as well, essentially saying, well, who can tell what caused the spike? I guess we'll just never know. <laughs> and it's just the worst fucking thing is he'll, prob- he'll probably get away with that. Like, he will... Pro- like, I don't think they pulled him up on it at that time. And he'll just continue saying that And while arguing that the schools should reopen on January 11th despite the massive numbers and the evidence that, like, it does spread in schools despite what you might, like, say. Did you, did you see... Because you
3: keep on calling it the UK variant. Did you see that... I think it was a Tory MP on Twitter that was given mm. out about... People calling it the UK variant and like, could I stop using just because it was discovered in the UK doesn't mean that it was, it was a UK made, blah, blah, blah. And then there's that. And then side by side with it, somebody went back and and he kept on calling it the Chinese virus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like this same guy that like is giving out about calling it the UK variant was like promoting it. Anyway, anyway. The, the other thing, could somebody explain to me? Because I, as I said, I haven't been, I've been tuned out watching Bridgerton, reading about the German revolution.
0: Look at uh, you! Um,
3: what? There's, there's something about like the computer says no to the amount of cases that we have. Oh,
0: this is Paul making a little Britain reference on his tweet about it in 2021. Um, <laughs> he said, "So basically, he's the times, isn't um, he?" Uh, yeah, well, he's very witty, Paul. Uh, a, a show that's now been cancelled for <laughs> for bad politics and bad social commentary. Hey guys, you know what I
1: watched? It was really funny. <laughs>
0: little britain we'll keep that on the low um so basically we had hit a cap so even though um even though our cases had said that they were under 2000 the uh reason for that i actually have it here i think yeah, so, so it was being recorded that the cases were under 3,000 or under 2,000 at the time. But they were wild, wildly undercounted because there was a significant backlog and the, that was the max number of cases that could be confirmed with our like, oversubscribed public health system. And we were also using like outdated software in comparison with other countries. So although the uh, tests that were being done and the estimated responses, positive responses were much, much higher, there was a real, real lag. With our case being able to confirm it through our system, and that's that's exactly what it was like.
2: I don't know if anyone knows about the old civilization glitch where if you know, Gandhi was on level one and when he done... Not... in the game, you're talking yeah. about the game. Oh yeah, not yeah, yeah, the game. <laughs> the, or, yeah. <laughs> the old <laughs> oh, sim-
0: right, <laughs> the
3: Civilization. Like, yeah. Hang
1: on, is the Matrix? Yeah. Is that what you're
2: talking about? We l- trust me, if we lived in a simulation, that would probably be much better than the case the case that we're living in right now. But you do
3: you remember? Go on a blind boy esque uh, rant now about how we're all living in a simulacrum. <laughs> or whatever
2: um, yeah, but you know, do you know the civilization, the game glitch where Gandhi was on like level one, and then when he adopted democracy, he like went ar- level one one. Oh, uh, dem- <laughs> I know this, but people won't know okay. this. Okay. Uh, um, so he he started at level one uh, peacefulness, right, and then. Meaning he wouldn't and, attack yeah, at all, the and then down the line, if he adopted democracy, because the system was so old, what it would have done would have it would have ticked back, and he would have had like level two hundred and fifty six aggressive. He would have went from one because yeah. that
0: democracy thing was like a minus. So instead of taking him from like seventy to sixty five, it would minus him into. Back over to 200, so he'd become, he'd go from the least like aggressive, vicious Gandhi, M- like NPC yeah. in the game, to being the ah, most aggressive. Terrifying. And Gandhi, Gandhi would just the, nuke street, you. the street Gandhi, Gandhi would nuke you in that game at every point. I, I, of I never trusted like him. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. never, like, took well, it's
2: it's kind of like what we're what we're having with like the the COVID cases counting, except for instead of going like nuclear, we go have a health crisis.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: <'cause>, uh, <laughs> I think it's more
3: like because the the it's not just that they do it's like it's not that they've reached capacity for testing it's like they know that they had negative that they had positive tests and they Mm. can't enter them into the computer yeah it's just the reporting
1: they can't physically do somehow they can't type into a like computer and that like newspaper headline a bigger number
2: it's 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 crazy because like there's what five thousand cases today alone And that's Mm, that's backlog, and that doesn't even include the cases that are coming into the hospital currently at this moment.
0: Gavin Riley had tweeted that um, he said that he was told by a source that there's a, also an IT limina- limitation in the software, so that even if public health teams were fully resourced and fully stacked out, and or the data input was uh, like automated and seamless, that there would be a ceiling of around 2,000 to 3,000 cases per day, and they would not be able to exceed that in confirmation over 24 hours. So even though we've hit 3000 today, they still expect it to peak at 6000 in the next Jesus. few weeks and that's because it's dealing with the the cases confirmed from the 24 hours and also the backlog. And your man Nolan, the uh, Neffert yeah, rep has said that we are going to be in thousands of cases for the next couple of weeks. Um, and in that context, that's where they're still saying they still refuse to confirm that you can have transmission in the schools or that that's a major issue and that we're just barreling towards January 11th without any confirmation that they're going to close them.
2: Well, like even the whole that whole thing about closing, didn't the, the government come out and say that they'll only close schools at like twenty five hundred cases and and yes. the IT won't yep. fit twenty five hundred cases. It's that, <laughs> like, like it. That's convenient. Yeah, yeah, but even, yeah, I know I'm kind of bringing this back to the UK as well, but I don't know if anyone saw today that the NEU in the UK is now had over 400,000 members on a Zoom call discussing a strike to basically force the schools closed. Now, they'll, they'll still do things like looking after children of, you know, um, you know, um, what do you call them?
0: parents in difficult, yeah, parents in difficult or situation or like key that, yeah.
2: workers that's the word i was looking for key workers yeah you know and it's funny because that could be replicated in ireland if the you know the teaching unions were you know strong enough they could turn around and say like look this isn't safe anymore we're not safe to go into work and we you know we we shouldn't have to go into work if both the safety of us and the children are at risk and i i'm surprised that the the ambition of the neu hasn't like kind of spawned out into other unions. I know again, I know I'm talking about the UK here, but I do feel like it's applicable. But like I know the NSUWT, which is not other British unions, said that they can do it. The GMB said that they're not gonna do it. But like it could possibly be a solution where the schools just go, right, we're closing because teachers just are at risk.
1: Yeah, like what I find mental about the discussion around schools is like yeah, there's obviously all this, like, yes, everything is terrible, like, stay at home, don't go outside, draw the curtains, but send your kids to school, that's totally fine, 100%. That's one side of it on Twitter. And then, interestingly, the other side of it um, that I've seen, in terms of, like, discussion and, like, you know, it's always interesting to see just sort of what, like, regular people are, like, back and forth each other in comment sections. What I've seen come up a lot is people being, like, oh, yeah, um all these parents begging for the schools to stay open because they don't want to lose their valuable me time. This, like, really sarcastic thing where it's like, no, it's a real issue for people to look after their kids at home. Like, closing schools obviously seems to be more and more fucking essential, but it's not as if, like, cool, grand there, no problem. But there's this bizarre attitude to it where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, mom is just at home having a bubble bath. What, like, the state of her, like...
0: Mm i
3: heard a story um from one school my sister is a or was a primary school teacher and knows loads of primary school teachers but where um a kid came into school and then during the day just said oh my parents are unwell at home Uh, um and both the kids parents were like at home off work with covid were having to self-isolate like you know a quarantine positive tested positive and the kid was sent into the to the school and now they the teacher gave out and like you know it not gave out to the kid but like intervened and made sure that the the, the kid went home or whatever but that's just like it's the, this notion has been created that somehow and like the government have that some schools are like covid safe free zones and the government have fanned the flames they've who was it that used this phrase? Tried to make it seem like, oh, kids are actually safer in school than they are in the community, and they were like playing with figures to make it seem like. But it's they they have a huge amount of responsibility there. Um, now I don't know. It's it's a it's a nightmare though. I do I do agree with what Roshan was saying that like I can understand how parents. The notion of uh, having to, your kids being sent home and having to take care of those when you can't take time off work, because we don't have the rights in Ireland, you don't have the right in Ireland to take time off work because you, uh, uh, for that, and you know, uh, to to care for your kids. Um, I can understand that, but the bigger picture that I would say is to go back to the example of Australia and New Zealand and Japan and, and those that, like, if you were to do this right, if we were to have followed a zero COVID strategy, uh, get community transmissions down uh, uh, to, to to zero, uh, unexplained transmissions down to zero, and then stay on top of it, follow every outbreak and, and track them all down, like they've done there. You you would be able to open up things up in a much fuller way uh, um, and not have this because the virus doesn't doesn't just magically. Fall from the sky. Once you've isolated everybody that has it, then you can stop the spread of the virus. You know, um,
2: but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I have a family member who works in a school, and she's she's of the exact same opinion. She's very much like look, close the schools, isolate them. We'll look after the kids that need it and things like that. But it's like. There was this like rumor pointed out that kids just don't get COVID. You know, kids are these magical super beings that we should be testing to to get a vaccine because once they step into a school, they're immediately like immune <laughs> to COVID. And it, it's so fascinating because that just was seems to be the opposite. But we're still they're still promoting this idea that oh kids are fine and i've i've heard horror stories about you know kids coming in and the parent as Keen has already said but in a different circumstances you know
0: didn't didn't an eight-year-old just die of covid wasn't that a big thing in the uk and and it, uh yeah so there it is There, eight-year-old died in east lancashire um with covid like and because i saw mm-hmm. that being used to smear or to like attack both the Tories and Labour, because Keir Starmer would have said, oh, we need to get them back in school as soon as possible, uh, as he's prone to do. Like, And it's just, it's it's shocking shock malfeasance on the side of both media and state to kind of permeate this type of thing.
3: I'm going to need to get a thesaurus now. Malfeasance, and earlier on, I think Owen referred to the like, <laughs> efficacy, efficacy stuff. You know, what, Keen? you, know, you should have <laughs> spent more time reading over <laughs> Christmas. This is what watching Bridgerton does for you.
0: right i think uh i think that's probably a good place to wrap up on that um we've covered a lot and we'll be back with regular content for the coming weeks uh if anyone wants to find out more about what we discussed today there'll be a few links in the episode description along with uh specifically to all all shows mentioned here will be linked with none of the politics you don't need any more news it's bad for your health um but oh, what is good for your health is there'll be a link to our Patreon, um, so people can uh support the show if they want. And I think that's it. Are,
2: are we promising one
0: vaccine with a Patreon subscription? Mm, more than likely, <laughs> we're working that out at the moment. With Pfizer and Moderna have been onto the show as well as Oxford, um, because all of our everyone on this podcast went to Oxford, so we have a link in there too, uh, yeah. So That's grand, and oh, and before we go, uh, rest in peace, Bertie Ahern and MF Doom. uh, Sorry, what? what? Uh, Hang hang on, can we not? Did you just say (laughs) Bertie Ahern?